0: Welcome to Policy Chats, the official podcast of the School of Public Policy at the University of California, Riverside. I'm your host, Maddie Bunting. Join me and my classmates as we learn about potential policy solutions for today's biggest societal challenges. Joining us today is Dr. Sesenika Ivey, Assistant Professor of Chemical and Environmental Engineering at the University of California, Riverside. My fellow classmate Paula Loera and I chatted with her about the issue of environmental racism. Dr. Ivey, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. So you are an assistant professor of chemical and environmental engineering at the University of California, Riverside, with many research interests, including environmental justice. Can you talk a little bit about what environmental justice and racism is and why it's important?
1: Absolutely. So first of all, environmental justice is a movement. It's a movement to protect vulnerable communities from being inundated with environmental hazards, such as Superfund sites, landfills, and various industrial facilities that emit um, toxic pollutants. And so uh, as a history, um, in the environmental justice movement was catalyzed and started by a former UCR professor Dr. Robert Bullard, Um, he was a professor of sociology in the early 1990s. And he did research that identified the disproportionate existence of environmental hazards in in minority communities. And he found that this Mm -hmm. was a pattern across the United States. And so his work highlighted that these vulnerable communities were very likely to have polluting facilities uh, uh, near their, near their communities, and so um, it's, it's really important to to understand and, and highlight these patterns because they have very serious implications for public health, for education, and for economics. So um, there have been numerous research studies. As well as anecdotal evidence um, that shows that living near an, an environmentally hazardous facility or near an interstate or a roadway is linked to an increased risk of acquiring an infectious or a non-infectious disease. Um, and this inherently creates a disproportionate health burden um, on these vulnerable populations near hazardous facilities. So in addition to public health, uh, environmental justice creates a problem for uh, disproportionate quality of education. The usual thought about uh, minority communities and education is that they don't have great uh, schools, they don't have great facilities. Um, but this this actually is not the entire it's not it's not the entire case. So um, you have to consider the fact that the children that are living near these facilities um, in these environmental justice neighborhoods, they may become more sickly with chronic illnesses such as asthma. And this actually increases uh, school absences. And this is what creates the, the learning disadvantage for, for, for those students is uh, being pulled out of school because of uh, the diseases associated with living in environmental justice communities. And the third point I want to to hit on, in, uh, in addition to health and education, is economics. And so environmental justice has implications, or environmental injustices has implications for, for economics. Uh, for instance, um, property values near these facilities, as well as resale of these properties, is severely impacted due to the presence of the facilities as no one wants to live there. So environmental justice impacts are multidimensional and they have long-term health and socioeconomic consequences simply because you grew up in an environmentally hazardous neighborhood.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. It's very interesting you say that because I know that's a huge issue currently here in the IE in relation to, you know, warehousing, which kind of leads into my next question. Um, You're also the principal investigator at the UCR Air Quality Modeling and Exposure Laboratory. As I said, the Inland Empire is known for having poor air quality for a multitude of reasons, including truck traffic from Los Angeles and the large presence of warehousing in the IE. Can you explain the cause and effect of the situation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Truck traffic is an issue of contention as of late for a very good reason. First, I'd like to say, just as you mentioned, there are, are several sources of air pollution in the Inland Empire. However, at, it is true that a large fraction of these pollutants are emitted from heavy duty vehicles. The other sources may include industrial facilities, uh, small manufacturing shops, as well as off road equipment like construction equipment, uh, garden equipment, etc. So, going back to trucks. As far as the relationship between um, Los Angeles and the Inland Empire, first off, these truck trips, they actually originate at the ports, okay? This is where goods are imported into the country, and so from the ports, the goods are moved by heavy-duty truck from the port to warehouses in the Inland Empire. And from there, they are distributed to the rest of the country or locally uh, in California. As warehousing is expanding in the Inland Empire, um, the the truck trips to and from these facilities will also increase, okay? So I should note that um, these heavy-duty trucks, the engines within the heavy-duty trucks are a lot cleaner than they used to be in terms of NOx and particulate matter pollution. Uh, But I should note that recent research has shown that um, this pollution removal efficiency, it has been found to, to decrease, this efficiency decreases in stop and go traffic. What does this mean for the IE? Well, when our highways are at normal commuter capacity, this puts a strain on that pollution removal efficiency. As we increase warehousing, we're increasing truck trips. It is also projected that the population and vehicle miles traveling in the South Coast is going to increase as well. Therefore, it's only logical to think that truck traffic and pollution will increase as well.
0: Council member Jan Harnick of the City of Palm Desert talks about policy innovation after disasters on October 22nd at 2 p.m. Learn more about this UCR School of Public Policy seminar at spp.ucr.edu. You can also find the RSVP link in our show notes. The environment from the little I know about it, I'm very interested, but it seems very complicated. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of, Human life aspects negatively affect the environment, which we may not even think about or consider. You know, I feel like we're just learning more and more and more as, as we as we live. And I know you conduct a lot of research, um, and I it is to my understanding that you have worked with GIS mapping. This is a very up and coming field within public policy, political science. For those listening who may not know, can you explain what GIS is and how it has played a role in your research of environmental justice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before I get into the question, I'd like to give a shout out to the Center for Geospatial Sciences uh, directed by Serge Ray and Eli Knapp. I'm also an affiliate faculty member of of CGS, so um, I'm excited to see its growth. And we can see that there is a tremendous need for GIS capabilities for public policy research as well as environmental research. GIS is an acronym, okay? It stands for Geographic Information System. And there are several GIS products that are used for mapping and visualization of the Earth and its features. Uh, We can use GIS to map man-made features as well. so just a little bit more technical background. So this GIS mapping and visualization is actually facilitated by the Global Positioning System. Um, And this is a a series of satellites that um, provide the coordinates for our features of interest. So um, everything is based on a latitude and a longitude. So in terms of the use of GIS from our research, um, I actually collect GPS positioning for alongside um, air quality and exposure measurements. And I collect this for people, people that agree to be part of my air pollution exposure studies. And so once we collect this information, we can use GIS to find the spatial patterns in these personal measurements of air quality and location. And so as an example, in my recent pilot study, we actually used a GIS spatial clustering algorithm to mine hundreds of thousands of these measurements. And we wanted to find any trends in people's PM 2.5 exposure as a function of their residential location. And so this pilot study had 17 participants from four different cities, including San Bernardino, Riverside, Moreno Valley, and Redlands, as well as Yucaipa. And so what we found was that of course, as expected, and what what we also see in the existing literature is that residential location was a proxy for exposure risk. So based on where a person lived, it was slightly it was synonymous with where they live as an average exposure. However, what we found, which which was very interesting, is that actually personal behaviors and personal choices, they they play a very important role when it came to people's short term exposures. Uh, But indeed those short term exposures were also, they were slightly higher for our environmental justice communities of San Bernardino compared to the others. And so um, GIS enabled us to do this. It enabled us to visualize and geolocate these hundreds of thousands of measurements and um, our, our pilot study has implications for the way we assess air pollution exposure risk and how we go about designing policy to mitigate these exposures.
2: So would you say that from your pilot study, you were able to pinpoint the occurrence of these environmental racist policies or issues occurring in, within the IE? Were there patterns of mobility or economics that helped influence this? I know you mentioned central areas. Is, was there anything else that you saw that impacted this?
1: So as this was a pilot study, we didn't have enough data to generalize as far as mobility is concerned. But we are we are able to identify points of interest that may be high risk for certain individuals. And once we expand our our GIS based analysis to include more participants, we'll be able to actually identify these high risk locations, whether and whether or not. Uh, these are voluntary trips or whether they're involuntary trips like where you go to work. Relatively speaking, um, while my research mainly focuses on air pollution and exposure disparities, I think it's fairly apparent from anecdotal evidence and from uh, our own personal observations of the continued expansion of warehousing in the IE that there are environmental justice issues here. So much of the Inland Empire, um, while there are more at-risk communities than others here, but much of the Inland Empire is at risk for disproportionate environmental hazards because the land is cheap um, and it's plentiful compared to that in the coastal communities, okay? And so this is very um, attractive to industrial developers Uh, particularly Amazon. With this continued expansion of warehousing, as well as rezoning of parcels to support this industrial development, this is contributing to an increased risk for vulnerable communities. So I'd like to point out that residents are actually fighting to slow these projects or reverse these decisions to rezone the parcels, but the concerns are oftentimes ignored at the city or the county management level, and they vote in favor of this rezoning and this development in and around communities that are traditionally residential. Research is is definitely needed to provide the data-driven evidence of these racial disparities in uh, warehousing development, but it's pretty clear from anecdotal and just private observation that these things are happening in an empire
2: social injustice health disparities climate change are you interested in solving pressing challenges like these currently facing our region and the world then consider joining the next cohort of future policy leaders like me by applying for the ucr master of public policy program learn more at mpp.ucr.edu you can also find the link in our show notes
0: unfortunate and i know it's a topic of conversation among students. And I know faculty, UCR, we're, we're very focused on our community and research within our community. So we're finding these disparities. Unfortunately, the Inland Empire is not unique to issues of environmental justice or environmental racism from the disproportionate effects of COVID-19 to wildfires in, here in California it has been proven that racial and ethnic minorities face greater vulnerability to health and economic disparities, as you were mentioning earlier. It is an issue affecting communities across this nation, as well as across the world. Can you think of any policies that um, should be or can be implemented to address and even prevent environmental racism? Well, absolutely. I think
1: one of the main policy mechanisms that can be implemented when it comes to preserving the environmental sustainability of an already at risk neighborhood is to have an environmental equity assessment. So, not only do we have NEPA, uh, which uh, requires that an environmental impact assessment be conducted for uh, new developments, we actually need to have uh, an additional policy to assess environmental equity. That means we need to assess the history within that location of disproportionate environmental impacts. And before a project is is allowed to progress, if that score is too high, if the, the, the environmental uh, injustice burden is too high for that community, it should weigh heavily on the decision whether or not to move forward with a project. I think that's, that's, that's a really important uh, policy that may need to be enacted. So not only do we need to protect uh, endangered species, but we need to have some sort of environmental equity assessment that uh, takes into account uh, historically, historical burdens uh, on a community.
0: So thank you so much for talking with us. This is such an important issue. Thank you both for having me. It was my pleasure. Policy Chats is a production of the UC Riverside School of Public Policy. Our theme music was composed by C. Codain. I'm Maddie Bunting. Till next time.